But on Sunday mornings, we do it also. So on Sunday mornings, I think around 10.15 or something, basically worship is uh, worship team's practicing, and we I call pracing. I pray and pace. I just walk around and pray. Um, for whatever reason, I like to walk when I pray, so I just wander around here and pray. Um, sometimes spray everything down with Lysol and pray. <laughs> it's a combination. Uh, but feel free to do that. Um, it's a really cool time to just be able to kind of defrag and just chill out and walk around and pray. Um, and then, yeah, Wednesday nights, and I think that's all we got. The ladies' retreat is going on currently, so I don't know. Does anybody else know, have any announcements? I think we're good for now. All right. Um, what's next? Pray, 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 pray for offering. All right, stand up with me. We're going to pray for offering. Uh, Father, we just thank you for this day. Lord, we pray that uh, you would lead us in giving today. In Jesus' name, amen. We have baskets up here, drop boxes in the back. What, what, what? Make you stand up? Doug, stand up again. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know why I said stand I think, I don't know. Maybe it's just a tradition, stand up. We're not doing kneeling benches. I was, funny story while y'all are giving. I was at a Catholic church one time. <laughs> I know that is funny, right? That in and of itself. And as I was confused by everything that was going on around me, I accidentally hit that thing and it went boom, real loud. And I, my face turned red and I was like, oh my gosh, what did I do? I didn't know that thing went down, but it does very loudly if you're not paying attention. It's like, bam. All right. That was also the first time I ever heard of closed communion. I didn't even know that existed until I went, I was in a wedding and they, uh, <laughs> oh man, my ADD's kicking in. So many jokes. All right. Anyway, yeah, that was the first time I heard of a clo- closed communion. Not clothed, Doug. Close. Somebody's got to make up for what? Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Did it just say make fun of Justin? All right. If you will, just stretch out your hands towards this offering. Father, we just thank you for this offering. You don't have to stand up. Thank you for this offering. Take it, multiply it for your glory in all the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, kiddos. Who do we have for kiddos today? Benjamin. All right, there's a young Ben Danny and a younger Ben Danny back there. Yay, Bens. All right, so kids, follow them. Walk briskly. They're going to teach you how to beat Super Mario Brothers. Maybe. Awesome. How's everybody doing? Still asleep? Yeah. One of my daughters told me that. She said, I'm hungry. Can you make this quick? That's, that's the encouragement I get from my kids. Which one? Kylie. I'm not going to name any names, but it was Kylie. It was me. I'm hungry. <coughs> Look, you got burritos and biscuits. <laughs> now I can go three hours. That biscuit will hold you over, and burritos. Look at that. This is like Mardi Gras over here. Anybody else need a biscuit? Or no, what is uh, Lambert's? <laughs> Start throwing them. <laughs> you, got, you guys are going to leave here, and people say, what did you learn in church? Something about Super Mario Brothers, and somebody threw a burrito. I don't know what else happened. Cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm about to talk about organic food right now. We're throwing burritos around. McDonald's too. Anti-organic has probably zero nutrition. It takes nutrition away from you when you eat it. I think. I feel I feel worse having eaten that. All right. What I do? It tastes good though. 
What I do want to talk about is, is organic, but I want to talk about organic Christianity. And if you know me, I'm not like huge into organic food. I actually joke around about a, lot, a lot about it, but deep down I know that it is good. I think we need to eat healthier. I have a hard time with it. Um, and, uh, but I've seen some parallels specifically with our spiritual walk and in how we walk as Christians and in some of the, the way that we eat foods now. Um, and one of the things, I, I, as I was thinking about this, uh, the, the literal definition, and organic is like HD. You remember when HD TVs came out? I was like, oh, we have an HD TV. Well, what does that mean? Is it like 1080p, 1080i? HD is just a blanket term for things. Organic's the same way. People sell organic. You just plop organic on it, and it may not be organic. It's just a, a sales pitch, and lots of us suckers will buy it. Like, oh, it's organic. What organic literally means is no, well, I have the definition somewhere in here, but it basically means no additives. Um, it means that it's pure. It doesn't have all these additives that preserve it, you know, red dye number, whatever, and whatever thing they put in it to preserve it on the shelves. So it is natural. It has no no additives. It is 100% pure, which I was like, man, this really fits very well with how we understand Jesus plus nothing. It is no additives to it. And so I thought it was a really cool parallel there. When I started thinking about it, as I look at my experience in my Christian walk, one of my first, or like right after I got saved, uh, the guy that witnessed to me uh, that I worked with was a good friend of mine. And I'll never forget the first time uh, that I thought maybe I may... I may be called to some sort of ministry as far as speaking or preaching. Um, we were at the at the break room. We were walking out to clock out. We had to clock in and out every day. And uh, my friend had been witnessing to this other girl that worked with us at the time. We we're both in our early twenties, and and uh, and he had told me a little bit about her, and he had been talking to her and giving her scripture and trying to encourage her and different things like that. And he just he kept telling me she just she didn't want to hear it. Same similar to me probably back then um, before I got saved. But he said he just felt like he couldn't get through to her. Well. I remember we were walking out, and she just happened to be there when we were walking out to clock out. And she asked Jared a question about something, a real direct question. And he went into a long spiel, you know, quoting lots of scriptures. And it was all good, what he was saying, but you could see her face was just blank. Like, she didn't get anything he was saying. And uh, when and he could, he could, eventually he started being able to tell. And he, you could see he was kind of discouraged and kind of pulled back a little bit. And... I just jumped in because something that I thought about, I, I was a new Christian, I didn't know a whole lot, I was still kind of understanding scripture and what all that meant, I didn't understand Greek or <laughs> or Hebrew or anything, but what I did know was what I had just experienced in coming to know Christ, which was awesome, and uh, I told her, I just gave her a quick analogy, I was like, all I, all I know is when I was living in the world and I was sinning, it was like little bucketfuls, and I said I was constantly trying to fill my life up with something that was fulfilling, and it, it was like constantly I was having to constantly try to fill it and they would it was never good enough and I said but when I came to know Christ I didn't have to do that anymore it was like everything was okay and it was really simple I didn't I mean I don't, I don't think it's very profound what I was saying necessarily but she got it and I'll never forget Jared encouraging me after that he was like man he said I've been talking to her for months you know trying to get her to understand these things and in just a few little you know words right there you could see the light kind of turn on in her and he said, you know, I haven't seen that in her this whole time I've been witnessing to her. Not to say he hasn't been, you know, giving seeds, but it was something that was encouraging to me because I always thought, like I was telling you guys after worship, <clears throat> I, I never felt like I was worth a lot, especially back then. You know, high school dropout, didn't really have a lot of, um, felt like I had any uh, real goals really even at that time, other than to not get fired and, you know, build cool cars or whatever. Um, and not die and not go to jail, probably. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have a lot of really aspirations for anything because I didn't feel like I was worthy of anything. 
So for him to say that, that planted a seed in me. And over time, I began to realize that, um, that I'm not as broken as I thought I was in some areas, that I was able to actually do something for the Lord without, you know, having all these degrees and different things. And so that was encouraging. Fast forward a little bit. I was a uh, youth pastor at another church that came here. I was youth pastor. And the first youth trip we went on, and I was talking to Gabe about this this morning, if he remembered, we were all gathered out there around the van. We were about to take the youth or the church van up to, uh, I think we went to the ramp. And uh, Mark, Mark was like, uh, pray, over, pray over the youth. And I was like, ooh, ooh, okay. Like I wasn't, I didn't usually do that really out loud a lot. <clears throat> and so uh, I remember praying and it was just right off the cuff. I didn't think of anything. I just prayed for the trip and for us to save travels and everything. And at the very end, I remember saying, that's all I got. <laughs> that was like the end of the prayer. I just didn't know how to wrap it up. Like I didn't know, I don't know how to do this. I haven't been trained for this. And they all mess with me about it. That's all I got. And so that kind of became a tag thing. Every time we'd pray in youth, they would say, oh, is that all you got? And I was like, that's all I got. Uh, better than play ball, right? I guess I could have said amen, which was probably the logical thing to do. That would have worked out great, yeah. But, but I said, that's all I got. So that, was, that is what it is. Um, but then fast forward even more, just last Sunday, uh, which fits right in with this talking about organic, I don't eat well. And I have this cyclical thing where, I start eating better because I feel horrible, and then I feel better, and then I fall off again. I start eating horrible again. I don't know if you guys ever do this, but literally, it'll start to affect me. Like, I'll get rashes, and, and I'm tired. Like, it hurts. It, eating not well makes you not well. Spoiler alert. Um, and so then I'll start drinking more water and not drinking Mountain Dew and start eating a little bit healthier. I'm not saying I'm, like, super good. And then I'll feel better, but once I feel better, I'll fall off again. So I've got this cycle thing. Well, this happened last week where... Uh, trend or somebody came up to us and they were like what's wrong with your face I was like I don't know what's wrong with my face and it just had red marks I know it's a good question had had red marks on it like had raised red marks on it and I don't know what I think I may have shaved that morning or whatever and it raised red marks on my face uh well we had the turners over for for lunch afterwards and we were hanging around the house and uh, they just gathered around me and prayed and Gabe prayed the most sincere prayer and just very organic um but (laughs) the way he said it I'll never forget and one because it was kind of funny but two um because he cared, and he cared enough to, to pray for me in that moment. But what he said was, in the moment, he said, Lord, he, he just prayed for lots of other things. But he said, we pray, Lord, whatever is going on, Lord, I pray that you would just fix whatever is going on with Justin's face. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Like, yeah, whatever's going on with this thing, can you fix that for me? I don't know. I'm, I'm different. I'm a little weird, but I thought that was hilarious. Um, but at the same time, I thought about the rest of the day. I thought how funny it was, honestly, but I, it just kind of stuck with me. And I, I thought that's also how personal Jesus is. Like, he knows I have a weird sense of humor, too. And he knew that would stick with me. And as the day went on, it stuck, honestly, it started to go away. Like, the, the red marks went away. And by the next day, they were pretty much gone. Um, and I'm thankful for those guys for praying for me. But that was a very organic prayer. He wasn't like, he didn't have to say these and thou's. And he didn't have to quote 20 different scriptures and, and all these things to, to talk to his father and pray for a friend. I mean, it was very genuine. It was, very, it was genuinely organic. There were no additives. He didn't have to try to prove anything to anybody. He was being caring and loving. And to me, that, that goes a long way. Like, that means the world to me that someone would take the time to do that. Um, and also, it, to me, it speaks volumes of, and I'll, I'll build you guys up too, for the Turners that have raised kids that, that do this very naturally. Um, and it should be very natural for us. You know that the Lord created you. Like, I believe that you were designed, and I hope you do too. And you were created to do these things. You were created to, to be able to speak to people very calmly and collectively. You don't have to make people feel uncomfortable all the time. You don't have to beat them over the head with the Bible. You can actually just love them and see Christ begin to... Because it's like, I always think of it like a magnet. Like, 
It's not hard if you get near another magnet for it to attract it to itself. It's not hard for you to spread seed and give people the gospel, and they will be attracted to it. My, I think my bigger fear with not just my kids, but in general for people, not fear necessarily, but concern, is not that they'll go out in the world and see the world and sin and everything. It's pretty, it's pretty open, like, and the results of it are pretty apparent. I think my bigger fear sometimes is that they get involved in church and start to see some self-righteousness and start to add things to Jesus because that is a lot more subtle. I've seen it over and over again where people will just, and me too, get excited about the Lord and then get run down with, with religion and activities and things that we do. Um, and so those things can be more gradual. It's the whole boil in the, we used to use it for sin that it's the boil in the frog thing, but I think it's just as much for self-righteousness in the church and performance-based religion. And I think that anything that we add, I think that's the biggest danger in Christianity is that we would begin to add things on top of, of Jesus. Um, we'll start in John fifteen five. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That's a very blunt statement. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Um, this should not be an, an, an unnatural thing for us to be able to bear fruit. It says you will bear fruit. It doesn't say you have to try really hard to bear fruit. It says if you remain in me, you'll bear fruit. The thing about branches is they get all their nutrients from the stalk, from the, tr the trunk, from the vine. You don't have to look anywhere else for that. The beauty of hopefully teaching, uh, teaching people to abide in the vine, to live from that place is you don't have to find it in other people. You don't have to find your value, your worth in other people. You have it already. So you're living from a place, not towards it. So when we, we see that we are 100% we are complete in Jesus, when he said it was finished, he didn't say it was just a little bit finished. He said it was finished. He gave us this new life so that we could live it out. Um. One of the things that we learned when we first started going to like amusement parks or Disney World or something like that is our kids will naturally, especially in large groups like that, will get will draw close to us. Have you ever seen noticed that? Um, except for Bill Starling, for some reason they scattered when we got <laughs> we got off a ride. They took off, and I'm like, how do they not know? And they're just like wandering off. Um, but for the most part, our kids, our kids, uh, <laughs> we got these little tags for them, these little GPS tags, and half of them took them off, and so they didn't help any anyway. Um, but for the most part, our kids would naturally just get close to us when we got around big crowds. I think it's the same way when we, when we're, we understand who we are in Christ and we're out in this world. We know that he's always with us. We, we don't have to, like, constantly reiterate that all the time. We should know that. I mean, kind of deep down in our knower and our Holy Spirit, this helper that we have should identify that in us all the time. And I think when he talks about abiding in the, in the vine, you don't have to stress out about that. You, you don't have to to like try really hard to stay connected. We're literally like cut in and grafted into to him. We're grown together. Um, we're designed to communicate, function from, and attract others to our creator. Um, I heard uh, Judah Smith say this a while back. He said, if we teach prayer too much, we might lose it. And I thought that was a very powerful statement. And I think that we, we can get into a place where we're trying to teach people a certain way to do things instead of allowing them to do it in their own way. I think that we're all created... Um, individually, like fingerprints. Um, and early on in my Christian walk, it seemed like I was always trying to kill myself because people were using some verses out of context. Um, 
but God's not trying to kill you. <laughs> you died already. You know that, right? When you're born again, your old self was crucified with Christ and you were raised again in him. Past tense, that's done. That's a done deal. You're not trying to kill yourself daily. When Paul talks about that, he's saying, I died, meaning I'm facing death. People are trying to kill me every day. He wasn't saying he has to kill himself. Some reason we tie those in with take up your cross daily, which is a completely different sermon. Those two aren't the same thing. And what, he's talk, what we're talking about here is you are already full in Christ. You have the fullness of Christ in you. That should build confidence in you to be able to minister to others. Not because of just your education. I'm not saying be ignorant, but it's not just because of wisdom. You don't have to know everything in the universe to be able to minister to people. Uh, I'm trying to remember who said this, but I know who it is, I just can't think of the name, but, but she said you're never closer to Christ than when you're serving another human being, when you're loving someone else. Mother Teresa is exactly who it was. Thank you. And it's true, because in those moments when he says, um, if you love me, well, he says it in reverse, but basically loving others, if you love me, you love others. It's not a... If you then, or if you do this, then you'll do that. It's, it is, if you have this love for me, then you will naturally love others. It, it comes, it's a package deal. <laughs> you, can't, you can't say you hate people and love God. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. The thing that, especially in our, in our day and age, all the division that is causes, we, we want to lump people in people groups, whether it's religious, um, political, now we're all medical geniuses, medical, whatever it is. Um, whatever you want to lump that into, we want to call that people groups, and there's no people group except for one, and that's the human race. Whether it's background, race, anything like that, there is none. It is either either you're born again or you're not. And the truth is, God has made a way for everyone to come to know him, and any hoops that we create above and beyond Jesus, God forbid that we do that. God forbid that we ever add anything to Christ. The relationship we have, which was kind of difficult for me to understand until I understood sonship with Christ, with God being Father, is it, was, it wasn't taught blatantly to me, but it was almost, I don't want to say subliminal, but early on in my Christian walk when I would, when I would go to church, it was, you had to, and this is perfect because I didn't have any clean jeans, I'm not wearing shorts to like protest anything. My wife is gone, and I'm a child, and I didn't know that I needed to wash my clothes. So I wore shorts. But, they, but it was taught to me early that you had to wear, like, a suit and tie, and, you know, guys couldn't have long hair. Did y'all ever get a lot of this? Like, there was a lot of outward things, you know, don't, don't chew gum. And do you, do you remember not chewing gum in church? That was like a thing. Don't chew gum in church. There was all these outward constraints that, was try, that were trying to make us more Christ-like. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong. If you want to wear a suit and tie, that's fine. You're, you can suffer for Christ in that way. They were very uncomfortable. I do it occasionally for, for weddings and funerals, but it's not comfortable. Um, but I will say this. I would rather be, I would rather work on what's going on inside than what's going on on the outside. And I actually, ha I genuinely had a conversation with a friend of mine about this. And I thought he was joking at first. <clears throat> but he said that a family member of theirs passed away and she had fought with, nicotine addiction, smoking cigarettes her whole life. And they found cigarettes in her closet. And he was asking, he called me at, because I'm a pastor and he wanted to get my opinion about this. And genuinely, I thought he was joking at first, but he was being serious. He said, hey, after so-and-so passed away in our family, we really had this really 
uh, discussion and this conflict about whether she's in heaven or not because she didn't beat that addiction. We found some cigarettes in her closet, and she didn't beat that sin, so we were having a discussion about whether she's in heaven or not. And I was like, are you, are you for real right now? Like, are you serious? And he was, he was genuinely serious. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, we really place that much emphasis on, on these things? Like, who, who, <laughs> who is born again and doesn't struggle with anything? And I asked, and he's a part of a church, and I asked him, I was like, is anyone in your church addicted to caffeine? <laughs> and he was like, well, yeah, maybe, because in their church, he said, if you smoke cigarettes, you can't serve anywhere in the church. And I was like, what if you drink coffee? He was like, well, that's okay. Okay. Huh? Who, yeah, who's, that's the problem with law. <laughs> Good point. At where, how far do you want to go with this? I mean, we can go, we can go pretty far. That's, that's the problem. It's not the problem. It's the solution, really. But it's the, it's the problem that we find in law and in performance-based religion is how far do you want to take that? Where is the, where is the mark that we have to reach? Uh, speaking of Mark, Mark told a story similarly on the flip side. He was having a discussion with this lady that was irate at the denomination they were in. They didn't do mixed bathing, which I didn't even know was a thing until he told me about it, where girls and guys swim together. And they're just, I guess, in a river or something swimming and she was irate and hollering at Mark about kids swimming together. And the whole time she was smoking a cigarette. <laughs> it's like, how ironic. Like, how do, where do we pick and choose these things? And I think when we start getting on a high horse is when we begin to, to not see what's, what the truth in Scripture about us being on this level playing field. We're all in the same boat. We are all in the same boat. And when we, huh? To cast the first stone, right? And that's the thing we... <clears throat> I think this whole, the whole organic thing, like not, no additives, what, happen, what happens when you eat food that has all these additives? You feel weak and weary and tired. And literally, it's killing us. <laughs> it, but it tastes good. Good point. It does taste good. Um, <laughs> we have examples if you need a burrito thrown at your face. Um, but here's the thing. It makes you weak. It makes you tired. I speak from experience. I get exhausted and I'm tired. It's the same way when we add things, when we try to add things to Jesus. We get tired and we get weary. We get exhausted. It kills us because we're trying to add something to what he's already done. <clears throat> Not only that, these, these additives cause arguments and divisions in our churches and families. One of the things that we add uh, are traditions, or traditions and customs. Uh, Mark 7, 8 says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Man. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. Anyone who curses their father or mother must be put to death. Law has a funny way of killing. <laughs> but you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, then no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down. In other words, he's saying, if you give them a food that's been offered to, to another God, or if you, you give them a different type of food, then you'll be judged by that when you're just trying to help them eat, you're feeding them. He's saying your traditions are nullifying what, what God's heart is. He says another way, when he tells the Pharisees, go learn what it means to desire mercy over sacrifice. The, the original scripture in the Torah that the Pharisees should have seen there was, 
he desires that you help the, the orphans and the widows and you love people over just your religious activities and proving that you're better than everybody else. He's saying you, you don't understand the heart of God. You're just trying to do the things. How many of you guys have been a part of that? Just doing the things. When you understand the heart of God, the things should come naturally. We always talk about life begging for structure. We're always begging for structure here. We've got tons of life. <laughs> and I love it. That's, I think that's a healthy church. We have life begging for structure. We don't, we don't want to build all these different things that just frustrate people. We want, I mean, Tiffany's heart for this ladies' retreat was, was Tiffany's heart. She wanted to do that. These guys that worship up here, they love worshiping. They're not just doing it to fill a position. You know, we want to encourage anyone that helps with children's church and youth. We want these to be places that you can minister to, to people but also get something out of it. These are healthy ways to do this. But if you're just doing them to appease an angry God, you don't know the heart of the Father. And that's what I thought. I thought God was angry all the time, and I was just trying to make him happy. What, a, what an incredible, ignorant weight to put on my shoulders that I could never carry anyway. Listen, all those things, dressing nice or cutting your hair a certain way, all those things revolve around who? Me. That's the self-righteousness that I think is dangerous that can creep in in a church or in, in anyone, because you can begin to think that I'm the one that's doing it. I'm the one that's making these ha things happen when it's Jesus who is. Another thing we add is performance. Um, I love that the Bible says that confessing our sins to one another is about healing. It's not about salvation. <clears throat> we know that's done the moment that we believe in Jesus. Confession of sins has become a tradition and a custom that's, that's been added to church to control and manipulate people. It's also created this false idea of a distant God. I know that there are some denominations that you have to constantly do that, confess your sins. Listen, how many of you in this room, by raise of hands, can remember every single sin that you've ever committed? Like every single one of them. Not one of us can. If it's based on what I can remember and what I can confess of, we're all doomed. I mean, you have, may have a better memory than me, but I can't remember. I mean, I can remember some, but I don't remember them all. The truth is we confess sin once and it's done. When it talks about confessing sins one to another, that's for healing. That's beneficial because we, oh, that reminds me of a, um, Lydia's not here, but Lydia came to me a while back um, about something that she was struggling with. She felt like she failed in. And I'll never forget this because I, you know, when you, when you pray for someone, I encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit when you're praying for them because we have a lot to say. But if you listen, the Holy Spirit has something better to say. And she came to me and she said, I really feel like I failed in an area and I feel like it's hurting in whatever area she was in ministry and she wanted prayer for it. And I remember waiting a while <laughs> and that can be uncomfortable sometimes to just sit there and wait. But I remember waiting. I was like, I don't have an answer for this. God, you're gonna have to do something. And the Holy Spirit very vividly told me to encourage her by recognizing a time like three Sundays before when I told you guys of something that I was dealing with and I need a prayer. And I said, look, sometimes that... God can use areas where you failed to minister to other people that think that they're, that they're worthless or that they, can't, they can never be used in ministry again because they've messed up in an area. I said, don't use your hurts and your failures as though they're final. They're not. And I was able to, to encourage her in that area because it was something that I had seen in our church and in our life before that, and the Holy Spirit brought it to me in that moment. That, that, is, that is living out what the Bible teaches us about ministering to other people and, and giving them what they actually need, not what we think that they need. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. 
It's not my performance that saved me. It's not my performance that keeps me. It's Jesus that saved me. It's just Jesus that keep, keeps me. Um, Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principles or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Listen, all of this is about him. He's not an addition to our life. He is the very source by which we live and by which we walk day by day and step by step. We pray in here either up front or in our office every Sunday, and every Sunday we pray that the Lord leads us in everything that we do. And it, it may seem redundant, but I don't, I don't know anything else. I don't know any other way to be. I've been a part of ministries that create a lot of hype and could motivate you to get excited. And there's, I'm not saying that all that is bad, but I'm telling you that if, if we build on a foundation of either my personality or Buddy's personality, heaven forbid, or I'm just kidding. <laughs> Buddy's got a great personality. Um, or programs or systems or anything like that, it is adding to Christ. It doesn't mean that we don't do these things. It doesn't mean that we don't have activities and that we don't have structure. It just means that we know where our source is and what we're here for. Hey, I'm, st I'm still talking up here, guys. <laughs> you need a mic? <clears throat> um, one of the things we add is wisdom, and I know that sounds a little counterintuitive. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to... But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of this world, for since in the wisdom of this world, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Now listen to this. Verse 22, it says, For Jews required a sign... And Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Listen, you guys know I'm, I'm not promoting being ignorant for the sake of being ignorant and being foolish for the sake of being foolish, but I'm telling you, you can read a proverb a day, and there's nothing wrong with that. It can give you some good practical wisdom. But I'm telling you, Solomon wishes he could have what you and I have. He had much wisdom, but he could only dream. God, I just can't, I can't just reiterate this enough. He, all of those wise men in the Old Testament could only dream of what you and I have right now, which is the Holy Spirit of God. They couldn't even, they couldn't even fathom how awesome that would be. So there's nothing wrong with wisdom, but I'm telling you, to a point, if the wisdom draws you nearer to Christ, then yes, that's awesome. Be wise. Be wise in the decisions that you make. But know that beyond wisdom, you need to know Christ, and he needs to know you. It's a relationship. It's a person. It's not just a theology. It's not just a doctrine. It is a person. His name is Jesus. John fourteen twenty five says, These things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, listen, the helper, not the confuser. Who's the author of confusion? Satan, right? The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things 
and bring to you bring to your remembrance all the things that I have said to you. And uh, earlier in verse 17 says, He dwells with you and will be in you and will not leave you as orphans. It says, I will come to you. Listen, I, we tend to complicate simple things. I think Jesus simplified complicated things. I think in ministry, we need to have that attitude where we simplify anything that's complicated to people that don't know Christ. I said a few Sundays ago that I've heard people say that they don't believe in God and they give me reasons why they don't believe in God and I'll agree with them that I don't believe in the God that they're describing. <laughs> I totally agree. I don't believe in that God either. You've been, he has been misrepresented to you. But I'm telling you, when you meet the God that I know, the Father that I know, you, there's, where, where I love the scripture, it says, where else will we go when Jesus says, are you guys going to leave us too? Where, where will we go? <laughs> you give us life. This is not just a new teaching. This is not just a, a way of life. He says, I am the way. And they're like, we don't understand that. He's like, you will one day. We don't get it, but you will. There will be a helper that will come that will help you understand. Colossians 2.6 says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith that you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. I'll stop here. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your to live your lives in Him. This is where a lot of us drop the ball, and I'm, I'm including myself in churches where we would we would trust Christ for salvation, but we wouldn't trust Him for the rest of, of everything else that we were doing in our lives. It's like, okay, well now everything's on you. No, it's everything's still on Him. It, every all of these things that we thought that we had to take upon ourselves, your schedule just got freed by grace. Your calendar just got blown wide open. You don't have to stress constantly about what you're doing. Now you can change metanoia, change the way you think, and you can look out and look for opportunities to minister to other people. You're not so self-centered all the time. Now you're Christ-centered. What a novel idea in Christianity to be Christ-centered. So just as you, you have received Christ Jesus, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted, going back to the vine thing, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith, that you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Listen, I don't have enough strength to do the things that I do. I, I, don't, I need Jesus to give me strength to preach. I need Jesus to give me strength to love my family above my shortcomings and even my own strengths that I have some. I need him to strengthen me in those areas. He is the one that I find strength in. He is the one that I go to when I'm struggling with things. He's the one that I go to when I think that I've got it all worked out. <laughs> even then, I, I don't have it all worked out. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on what? Human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been, past tense, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. I ran out of breath. Not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through the faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and your uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, 
nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. If that's not enough to get you guys excited, I don't have anything else for you. He's done it all. He took everything that you would ever deal with, and I'm not just talking about the little sins or the big sins you think of, your, your stress, your anxiety, depression, fear, all these things that we deal with, we all deal with in one way, shape, or form, he has taken and made them a public spectacle by nailing them to the cross. We think we know what he did, but he did more than that. We, th- we think, oh yeah, well, he took care of sin and we're saved and, you know, we get to go to heaven when we die. No, he gave you new life right now. He, he gave you a deposit of heaven in your heart right now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to, to, to strive and stress over things that he's already dealt with. And I know for me to say that and not know what everyone is dealing with this in here can seem like empty words, but I'm telling you, he says it right here and they're not empty at all. He knows. And I'm, not, I'm also saying it from my experience where I've been face down not knowing how Man, you guys know, I, I, I spilled my whole life up here. You guys know all the things that I've dealt with and seen God continue continue to come through in areas that I thought there was no way that, that this could work out for good. From little things to big things. We talked about last week, just my mom found a parking place to I don't know where we're going to live. No clue. Like no idea. <laughs> One of the most difficult things not just for me, but for Tracy and I. In 2013, we had to file bankruptcy. And that, for me at the time, was the most demeaning, and I just thought, like, I felt like such a failure. I remember going, because I was, I was the one working. Really, we had three kids, and there was no way. We couldn't afford daycare at the time, for, so Tracy had to stay home. So I was the one working. I was working three or four jobs trying to make things work, and we had made poor decisions financially. Long story short, I went to a financial advisor, and they told me, you... We, we're here to advise you on how to not file bankruptcy, but we're telling you you have no choice. You, you need to file bankruptcy. There's no other way out of it. But I'm telling you, it was such a, such a humbling experience for me because I, I was so proud that I had made it. I had built so much on my performance and that I had, I had a decent job and I, had, I was making decent money and we had nice things or whatever. And, man, we went from newer cars to an old purple van. You guys probably remember that old purple van. Paid a 1000 bucks for this van, and we had cars that were paid for, and I was, I was driving Tracy's grandmother's car for a little bit until I found a little beater that I could drive. And we had to change things. We had to change our whole lifestyle. Um, that wasn't as big a hit as it was my pride being hit that I, I felt like I failed. But, but I can't tell you how relationship, relationships that we were close to, um, we went – we went to the Turners and talked to them about it, and we prayed about it, and, and we grew closer to them through the whole situation. Even Mark at the time, we talked to him, and he introduced me to a friend of his that, that had to do bankruptcy in Texas that he was a friend of. I called and talked to him and prayed with him. Um, and there was one person in my life that I, I really didn't have a very good relationship with and always in the back of my head felt, and this is hard to say because it sounds very terrible because it was, but I felt in some way that I was like better than because I was making responsible decisions, even though I really wasn't in some areas. I was able to call and reconcile with them and, and pray with them and talk to them and realize that that 
that I, I had a bad attitude and I asked for forgiveness for that. All that to say, bankruptcy sucked. <laughs> it was horrible. I hated it. I don't ever want to go through it again. It, I, I learned a lot through it. But even though that was a bad thing, I grew from it and I learned from it. And I was able to minister to people. Other people were able to minister to me through it. And I was able to minister to other people through it. In the time, at the time, we, we, had, we had no idea how it was all going to turn out. Another thing that happened was a couple in our church that was going through absolute hell in their life helped us pay for the lawyer because we couldn't pay for the lawyer to even file the bankruptcy. I mean, I could, I could go over and over and over again of how God used people in specific situations that looked dire for things to turn around for good. It's funny, it talks about it in here too. <laughs> that he does that. That's just what he does. He's real good at it. He says he works all things to good, not all. All things mean bad things too. So, Jesus plus nothing. <laughs> Organic. <laughs> I think if we, if we see if we recognize some of these areas in our lives specifically where we try to take all of this upon ourselves, you will be crushed under the weight of things that Christ was made to bear. He's the perfect sacrifice and he's the only one that can do it. So I want to encourage you, if, if you're dealing with something, if you think that the weight is heavy on you, that whatever you're struggling with and you're dealing with, I know a guy. <laughs> and he's, he is better at dealing with it than you are. As good as you think you are, because I, I, I can speak from experience. As good as you think you are, he's better. Every, every time, every time, I can't tell you enough, every time that I've come to the end of myself, he has been good in every area of my life, from the little things to the big things. Stand up with me. I'll pray for you guys. And then, and then Kylie can eat. Yes, you can share a scripture. Okay. Hang on, we have a microphone so the people on the internets can see and hear. Three, three weeks ago, we, we, somebody quoted this, and it just goes along with what you're saying, that, that um, whatever you want to do, you can't do enough to earn it. it you know, um, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. All of it. One sin, and you miss heaven. Mm -hmm. One sin ever in the... 80 years that you get, mm -hmm. you, you, you fail. Yep. And so it's all Jesus. It is the gift of God through Christ, lest any man should boast. Yep. And I love, um, oh, that reminded me of another scripture. Should they sit down? Huh? Should they sit down now? <laughs> we made all you guys stand. You guys can sit down, I guess, for a second. We have a couple minutes. Sorry, Kylie. You got a biscuit. <laughs> we're, early. we're still early. We're good. Go ahead. You, got, you have something? You have your Bible open. Me? Yeah. Oh. You look like you wanted to talk, and he has a microphone I next to you. I just heard Psalm 13 from the Lord. I don't know if it was okay. a whole crowd or for one person. Okay. I don't think it has anything to do with what we were talking about. But well, you don't have to say it, but I, you just look I like I guess you. I have to now. <laughs> I'm holding a Well, mic. you have a microphone. You have to now. <laughs> Go ahead. Somehow. It may be for somebody. Everybody can look at it now. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> it, okay. It says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? I don't know. I just feel like this is for somebody in here. Okay. And it is completely off what we're saying. That's fine. Um, how long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. 
lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. That's all. I would disagree. I think that goes right along with it. I mean, yeah. I don't know if anybody else needed to hear it, but I did. Um, I thought about real quick before I make y'all stand up again. <laughs> Trying to get y'all to eat organic and do exercise. Look at me. I'm tricking y'all. Subliminal messages over here. Um, <laughs> yoga church. Only if we get those little goats. <laughs> Doug, I'm going to put you in charge. I'm going to put you a little cowboy hat on, and you're going to take care of the goats. All right. I'm talking about. Uh, I was thinking of something. Now y'all got me sidetracked. I was going to say something real quick and then wrap it up. Oh. Um, it was something I was going along the lines of what you were saying about being, oh, the law. Um, I always thought, I always found it interesting that being more sin conscious than Jesus conscious causes you to sin more. And I always thought it was funny that, um, I'm trying to remember who he's, uh, was it Paul? He said not to covet somebody. Anyway, don't covet. He basically, yeah, it was Paul. And he said, uh, he said, I didn't even know what coveting was. And now you tell me to covet and all not to covet. And all I want to do is covet. Yeah. So I didn't even know what coveting was. Now you tell me not to covet, and all I want to do is covet. I think that's how law, that's how, not just law, but that's how uh, emphasizing sin over the, basically emphasizing the problem over the solution. And that's what we have a tendency of doing. So we emphasize the problem over the solution. And so if you want to stare at the ditches all day, you're not going to have very much fun driving. Focus on staying on the road like the, Jesus is the focus. So even in, as, he, as he told, going back to the law thing, he's never even, even as he, I had too much coffee this morning, even as he um, was teaching about the difference between law and grace, and he was saying, you've heard it said, he goes through all the you've heard it said, you've heard it said that um, adultery is a sin. I'm telling you, even if you look on another woman in lust, basically he was saying that you have a heart issue, not a behavioral issue. And so you can dress as nice as you want, you can have short hair, you can do all the things, you can not smoke cigarettes, which they're bad for you, so don't smoke them. Um, which I don't think, do people even smoke anymore? You can like have vape pens that smell like strawberries and cinnamon toast crunch. Why would anybody smoke cigarettes? Anyway, those are probably bad too. I don't know if they have organic vapes. I digress. All right, so you can, you can try to constrain outwardly and, and be a well-behaved orphan or you can be a son, basically is what I'm trying to say. And sons don't have to beg their father for food. You're not the one, that parable about knocking on the door, the whole ass seek knock. That's not you. You're in the bed. You're tugging on, on Papa's beard saying, I need something to drink. Read that parable again. The person outside is the lost person. You're, that's not you. You are the one with him. You're the one that you just say, Dad, I need something. And what does Dad say? Okay. You, you don't need to ask me for food. We have food, even if it's not food you like. But we have food. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. All right. Y'all don't have to stand. Y'all can stay seated. I'll just pray for y'all sitting down since we're doing this. Father, I just thank you. Uh, I thank you for this day, Lord. I, th I thank you, um, Lord, that you are a helper. Lord, you sent the Holy Spirit to us to help us. Lord, help us to recognize that. This is not, this is not just a pie in the sky, like thinking that, oh, this, 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 you know, this is just an addition to things. Lord, you are the source of, of everything. You're the source of life. 
And so, Lord, help us to see that your Holy Spirit is, is not just an idea, but it's a person. And, and, Lord, it's you. It's you with us. It's Jesus with us. So, Father, I pray that you would comfort because that's what you are. You're a comforter. Lord, I pray that you would help in the areas that people need help because you're a helper. Lord, I, help, I, I pray that you would um, open our minds and our hearts to who you are because you are wisdom. You are the source of wisdom. So, Lord, help us to understand things clearly in our minds. Help us to know that we are loved and, and just wrap your arms around those that need to be loved right now. And, Lord, I just pray that um, as we go out from, from this church building, Lord, we are the church. And, Lord, we will, we, everywhere we go, we bring uh, the Spirit of Christ with us. Lord, help us to recognize it in us and help us to, to recognize that you seek to love others the same way that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.